Welcome to the sermon podcast for First Christian Church of Warsaw, Indiana. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Please visit us at FCCWarsaw.com to learn more about our church or to make plans to be with us on a Sunday morning. Again, that's FCCWarsaw.com. If you have your Bible with you or your phone, if that's where you grab your Bible app, let's go to Matthew chapter 2 this morning as we continue through the Christmas story here and talk about the different people whose lives were dramatically interrupted that first Christmas. Today, the day in which we live, the Christmas season interrupts our lives temporarily with things like family get-togethers, social obligations, maybe even finding, finding the time to purchase gifts or to wrap those gifts. Those interruptions are kind of fun, but they're, they're very temporary, and they're not all that life-altering. Again, they're fun, they last for a certain time or season, but they don't really change the overall arc of our life that much just by engaging in those things. Compare that, though, to the people who were engaged in, or involved in the very first Christmas ever. You're talking a complete and total upheaval of life that came their way when Mary discovered that she was pregnant Though she had never slept with a man and she was uh, carrying God's son, this child that was conceived in her of the Holy Spirit, Joseph engaged to Mary, but now finding out that she is pregnant and he's not the father. Uh, And then you have the shepherds who we talked about last Sunday out on the hillside outside of Bethlehem watching their flocks at night. Their lives were completely interrupted and changed forever because of an angel visitation and going to be able to go visit the Messiah. But then you have the wise men, too. I love these guys. I've always been intrigued by them. Anytime they come up in the Bible, or I can remember back when I was a little kid, we had a, like a Christmas program every year, and we had three different robes, right, that you got to wear when you grew up enough to be a wise man. One robe was green, one was red, and one was purple. But the red one was like this really thick, heavy velour material. I'm like, oh, one day I'm going to grow up enough to be able to wear one of those crowns and put on that red velour robe. And sure enough, it happened. One year I got to do it. But I love the wise men. They're my favorite characters in the nativity scene. I want to tell you a little bit about them this morning and how they're quite a bit different than how they were at our Christmas program and even at our nativity scene. But here's what the Bible says about them. Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, Wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. Now these wise men, or magi as they're literally called in the original writings of the Gospel of Matthew here, they were actually astrologers from the royal court of the king of Persia. They were a class of Zoroastrian religious priests. So in actuality, they probably looked a lot more like wizards than they did kings. If you're at all familiar with the Lord of the Rings movie series, think Gandalf rather than Aragorn. Like these are wizardly kind of characters, Zoroastrian priests. And these wise men or magi, they believed that the stars and the planets control our lives and the events of the world. They practiced fortune telling and dream interpretation. Our word magic in the English language even comes from the word magi because of these guys' preoccupation with weird occultic powers. 
But despite what's become legend through the years, showing up on Christmas cards and in our nativity scenes, or even in Christmas carols like We Three Kings of Orient Are, these magis weren't kings, they probably didn't ride on camels, and there's just no way of knowing if there were three of them. Some theologians speculate that there, were actually, there was actually a fourth wise man. He traveled alongside all the others. He even visited the baby Jesus with them. But sadly, he got turned away because he brought the gift of fruitcake. And nobody, nobody really wanted that gift. So that's what some think. Anyway, there was a fourth wise man. Seriously, we don't know if there were three. We don't know if there were four. We don't know if there were five. We don't know if there were a dozen. There's no way of knowing. The Bible just refers to them in the plural sense, meaning that there was more than one. So at the minimum, there were two. It's highly likely they traveled by riding fine Persian horses instead of camels. Perhaps a large caravan of other people went along with them. Perhaps there were even soldiers or personal guards. So this could have been a rather large group of travelers that descended upon Jerusalem. If you could imagine all the colorful wizardry aspects of these foreigners coming into Jerusalem all of a sudden, Where's the king born to the Jews? Like, that would have created quite a stir. And I'm sure everybody was talking about it when they arrived. But one thing's for sure, they traveled a long, long way. Uh, Magi came from Persia. It's a distance of about 1,000 miles. So think Warsaw, Indiana to Denver, Colorado. And you've got a similar, you know, it's about 1,000, 1,100 miles. You got a similar range for how far these guys would have traveled. With little to go on, they they traveled incredibly far, endured undoubtedly uh, hardships as they went on their way. They even faced the uncertainty of finding this king that they thought they would find when they followed the star. And yet they went onward, probably over the course of many months, making that journey. Matthew chapter 2, let's continue here with verse 3. So they're in Jerusalem, and when King Herod heard this about the star and the baby that born, the king of the Jews, when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people and asked them where the Christ would be born. Apparently Herod didn't know his scriptures very well, didn't know the prophecies, so he reached out to some people who read the Bible a little more. And they said, in Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this was what was written by the prophet Micah. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. Ha ha. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So that's the story of the wise men. And we learn a a pretty key lesson from them that we can apply today. I'm not going to speak for long, but hopefully this will be something that will really be helpful to you as we end out this year and we venture into a new one. Here's what we learned from the wise men. When a prompting from God 
is met with the necessary personal adjustments, the result will always land us in the center of God's will. That's what the wise men model for us. When a prompting from God is met with the necessary personal adjustments, the result will always land us in the center of God's will. That was the experience of the wise men, and it can be our experience today as well. So what's a prompting? A prompting is a nudge or a leading from God to do something, to take part in his work. God prompts people today in a variety of ways. It can happen when you're reading his word and something just jumps right out at you like, whoa, I, that's God speaking directly to me and I need to make a change. Or maybe it can happen in a time of prayer where you experience God speaking back to you as you're talking to him and he's nudging you, leading you, prompting you to do something. It can happen when you're in a time of worship or listening to a sermon. It can happen when you're out and about through the course of your day and you just sense a Holy Spirit prompting to do something. That's how I experienced what I would call my call to ministry, if you will. I was working on our farm as a young man, uh, getting ready for my senior year of high school, making a batch of hog feed, standing next to a tractor and a feed grinder, and I was all excited to go to the University of Illinois. After I graduated from high school, I wanted to study law and be a lawyer, and this weird thought came into my head, and it went kind of like this. Matthew, you should use your gifts to tell people about my son. I'm like, where in the world did that come from? The only thing I could figure that was, was that was, that must have been God talking to me or saying something, nudging me, prompting me. So I spent that whole summer before my senior year of high school, like, just wrestling with that. Like, was that God saying something to me? Is that how this works? Does he call people like that? And to this day, that's, that's what I've gone off of, is that was God saying, Matthew, I've got something for you to do. Here it is. So we, we all hear God speaking to us. If we're filled with the Spirit, we're going to hear him, and we hear from him in a variety of ways. The prompting that we receive becomes a sense that perhaps God has spoken in that moment, or he's given us some kind of direction. And a prompting from God is always going to lead us to the very center of his will, something that will further his work in the world. Now, the prompting that the wise men received was kind of an unusual one. It was a star, a star they'd seen in the evening sky, a star that would lead them to find baby Jesus so that they could worship him and ultimately tell others about him. But promptings, if they're followed, are always going to require personal adjustments. We can't just stay where we are. We can't just stay doing what we've been doing. We can't just stay the same and follow a prompting that God gives us because by nature, a prompting calls us to something different or to some place different than where we've been. We can't stay exactly where we are and we can't be doing exactly what we've been doing to follow the prompting. Change is going to be necessary. There are several people in the Bible, quite famous ones, that received promptings and many of you know of these or have heard of them. Think about Noah. Noah couldn't continue life as usual and build an ark at the same time. He had to make an adjustment. There was a change there that was needed. Abraham couldn't stay in Ur or in Haran and father a nation in Canaan. He had to get up and go. Moses couldn't stay secluded on the backside of the desert and stand before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. It required a change. He had to go back into Egypt And he had to do what God told him to do. David had to stop being a shepherd in order to become king. 
Some of the disciples of Jesus left fishing in order to follow him. Another disciple of Jesus, Matthew, he had to leave tax collecting. The Apostle Paul, he had, he had his life completely changed directions when he met Jesus, and Jesus asked him to do something quite important. And the adjustment that the wise men made was, well, you're going to have to leave home and follow a star. That's different. However, when a prompting is met with the personal, necessary personal adjustments, you're always going to find yourself in the very center of God's mission for the world. He prompts people so that his kingdom can be furthered. That is how he works. That was definitely true of the wise men. Because when they arrived at the place where Joseph and Mary were staying, they knelt beside baby Jesus, the one who would give his life for the sins of the world, the very one himself who was at the center of God's mission for the world. That's how they found themselves at the center of God's total story, just by following that prompting. Now, this is consistent with the way that God has acted throughout the Bible, and it's certainly how he acts today. A friend of mine by the name of Jack Swanson is a very, very successful investment banker living in the south suburbs of Chicago, doing extremely well, making a lot of money, raising a a lovely family along with his wife, gorgeous house. By the world standards, he he pretty much had absolutely everything going for him. He received some kind of prompting from God that he should put all of that aside and go and be a missionary in the South American nation of Chile. So in his 40s, he sold his gorgeous house. He moved his family to Podunk, Lincoln, Illinois, in the center of the state, kind of middle of nowhere, enrolled in Bible college at Lincoln Christian College as a freshman in his 40s alongside 18-year-old kids, got his education, and to this day, he is helping people come to know Jesus Christ in Chile with a major missionary organization where he and his wife have raised all their kids. That's wise men kind of stuff, right? He, he got a prompting, and he just got up and went. Maybe right now God's giving you a, a prompting of some kind. That, and if you followed through on it, maybe it would be kind of a major upheaval in your life. Or it may be something that requires a little bit of a, of a smaller adjustment. But either way, promptings from God always require personal adjustments if we're going to follow them. If you're a spirit-filled person and a thought pops into your head, and that thought is not something that if you did it that would be sinful, then I think it's pretty fair to say you might be receiving a prompting from God in that moment. If something comes into your mind and it isn't ordinarily what you would do and you know it's not a sin, it, it might, this, and I don't want to oversimplify this, but we've got to start with it somewhere. That in itself right there might be a prompting. You may hear something like, go talk to that person. And at first you want to shrug it off because that's outside the norm of what you would do. Give that person your coat. I don't know. You know, but again, where did that thought come from? Pick up their tab for dinner. Really? But again, where did that thought come from? Share the gospel with this person right now as you're talking to them because there's certainly an openness. I don't know. It's going to be kind of uncomfortable. But again, where did that thought come from? If a thought comes to your mind and it's not something sinful, 
and you're a spirit-filled person, I wonder, like, is that God talking to you in that moment? Now, of course, we need to run this through the filter of, is the thought in line with what the Bible says? Is it being confirmed when, when you pray about it? Like, if it's a major life adjustment, have you sat down and talked to other spirit-filled people to see, is that, does this sound like what God would be telling me to do? I mean, those are the, the broader ways in which we do this. We confirm it with scripture and prayer and the counsel of other godly people. But moment by moment, as you're walking through your life, if you are a spirit-filled person, God's talking to you all the time. He's talking to you all the doggone time. And he's dropping these little things day, moment by moment throughout your day. Do this, do this, do this. This is how you walk with me. This is how you follow me. This is what I've designed you to do in the world. Do this, do this, do this, do this. You know, and it happens all the time. Moment by moment, God prompts us with these little bitty things that are going to change the world if we just get in line with what he's asking us to do. But by shrugging them off or resisting them, we may miss out on a really cool adventure. But by following these promptings, we'll find ourselves at the very center of God's mission for the world. So I wonder this morning, as we talk about this, what star has God placed in the sky for you? In other words, like, what is it right now? Like, oh, I should do this. I know it would honor God if I did it. I should make this adjustment because I've seen, so to speak, what he's asking me to do. Is the star in the sky for you right now? Like, maybe I should volunteer. This coming year in um, 2022, maybe I should just get up and volunteer in something that would honor God through my participation in it. Maybe I should be a, a life group leader. Maybe I should get plugged into children's ministry or youth ministry. Maybe I should volunteer for something that uh, allows me to visit people in the community or, you know, something. What, what would it be? Something missions related. Maybe the star that you're seeing in the sky right now is God saying, you need to solve this injustice. You're, you're seeing it happen. Uh, I've been really impacted this past year by seeing uh, and hearing people come to First Christian Church and talk about adoption ministry and talk about how they're solving human trafficking through Destiny Rescue and how funds are being raised for other people to adopt and how over near Fort Wayne we have an organization that we assist that's taking in children that would otherwise be orphaned and giving them a home. And somewhere for each one of those ministries, for each one of them, friends, somebody saw, so to speak, a star in the sky. It was a prompting from God, do this, do this. And the world got changed. Maybe that's you. Maybe your prompting for this year is you need to go back to school or get some online education to do the next thing that God's prompting you to do. Maybe the prompting is come home from work an hour earlier and engage with family. Maybe your prompting is exercise. That's a big one that sometimes this time of year comes up. Maybe this is the year for that. Maybe God's prompting you to start a new ministry that would bless First Christian Church or bless this area. Uh, maybe God's prompting you this year to get into a life group. Maybe he's prompting you to read through the Bible this year. Maybe you've always wanted to do that in a year and have never done it. Maybe that's the prompting for you this year. Maybe the prompting is, boy, I need to leverage my wealth for kingdom work. I really haven't been a good steward. Maybe, maybe that's the prompting. For some of us here, maybe the prompting is just flat out, 
I need to invite Jesus Christ to lead my life because I've been stiff-arming him, and I need to allow him to come into my life and begin to shape me and mold me. Maybe that's the prompting for you. But if you know what would honor God, be like a wise man and follow that star. Follow that prompting. It may seem scary, but if you're anything like the wise man, uh, remember, when you follow a star, that means sometimes you're going to have to walk at night like the wise men did. And not everything's going to be completely clear right up front because sometimes when you walk at night, you can't see everything a long ways out in the distance. And that's what faith is. You follow what God's asked you to do, even though sometimes it seems like we're walking at night and you can't see all the way up ahead. But that's faith. And when we exercise it, we're alert to what God's asking us to do when we make adjustments along the way. Well, I want to wrap up here this morning and just tell you, there's, there's one other adjustment that the wise men had to make. Their, their first prompting they received was a star. Follow the star. They had to make personal adjustments in order to do that. But there was one other prompting they received, and this one's kind of interesting too. Uh, it's in verse 12 of Matthew chapter 2. So they give Jesus those gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? Verse 12. And being warned in a dream, the second prompting here, being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. So that's their second prompting. And if you and I follow God's prompting for us in this upcoming year, maybe we're going to find ourselves going home by another route, so to speak. Maybe the way that you arrived here today Uh, is going to be different this coming year than how you take your next steps. When you follow God's prompting, it may be on a completely different road than the one you've been on previously. Just like the wise men, they took a different road. That may be your journey this next year. We've had Christmas music on at our house the past couple days on near constant uh, repeat shuffle play on our Spotify playlist. I've to Jeremy's chagrin, I have made a Spotify playlist that probably will last until Jesus comes back, if just played, you know. Uh, it's, it's a massive one. But there's a song on there uh, by a Canadian artist that I got uh, to be familiar with a few years ago. He's a Christian artist by the name of Steve Bell. He has a song called Old Sage. And I heard this one a couple times this last week. There's a line in there that always gets me. He, he, he's writing it first-person perspective from... Um, the wise men's point of view, one of the wise men. And this wise man in the song says, now the road for me has changed. Nothing seems to look the same. And I can't go back the way I've known. But to stop and start all over again has something to do with that baby born in Bethlehem. And I'll never be the same. That's what it looks like when we follow a prompting, my friends. And I pray this year that you'll be bold and you do that. And find yourself right at the center of God's will. Hey, let me pray for you. Jeremy's going to come up and lead us in one final song as we get ready to dismiss this morning. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, it's so awesome that you still speak to us today in personal ways. And it's really cool that you do it in a variety of ways. Uh, Even through a star like you did for those wise men. Because that's kind of what they were into, looking at stars. And so you, you interrupted what they normally looked at and showed them something even greater. Father, I pray that you'll speak to us in ways this coming year that 
grab our attention and that are understandable to us so that we can see what you're asking us to do and so that we can wind up in the center of what you want done in the world and that we can partner with you in it. Help us not to be afraid. Fill us full of faith and take us on an adventure like we've never been on before. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. And everybody in agreement says, Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from First Christian Church of Warsaw, Indiana. We invite you to join us for worship on an upcoming Sunday morning. Check out our website at fccwarsaw.com for more details and information. Again, that's fccwarsaw.com.